God bless you, and welcome back to Yesterday Ended. I'm your host, Dennis Dobbin. Thank you for joining me today. There's a terrible mindset that affects way too many of us. This subtle mindset paralyzes us and terrifies us. It is a sneaky mindset that minimizes God. It is a subliminal mindset that denies the work of Jesus. It is called a poverty mindset. And even that name hides the true depths of its reality. Unfortunately, when we think of poverty, many times we think of finances or money. But the poverty mindset goes beyond nickels and dimes and dollar bills. It goes to the lack of possibilities, the lack of options, the lack of the promises from God. That is not what Jesus came to declare. Jesus said that he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. If that sounds too good to be true, why don't you give a listen? My TV set and DVD player are equipped to show 3D movies. When you put the glasses on, you get to see the depth of what was specially filmed. Blu-ray and regular DVDs are still amazing to watch, but 3D goes beyond and gives you a deeper perspective. It almost feels like you can see around the corner. There's more to be seen with 3D. Today I want to consider how we see our lives and the promises of God. The unfortunate truth is that a poverty mindset locks us within four walls with no doors or windows, no way out. We must learn to realize that there are endless possibilities. How big is your box, and why would you want to live in one? No matter how large the box, its walls are still four locks. And to think outside the box, how far outside will you go? And to its limits will you bow? Imagining only what it allows? So to four sides, a bottom and a top, I no longer give credence or assent. That even outside the confines of such a thing, my imagination I will never bring. I leave behind such an hindrance of growth and turn away to an ever-expanding space so that my heart, my soul, my mind, endless possibilities I can find. I have long disliked the phrase, thinking outside the box. The box is a limitation, but to just be outside the box is still a limitation. Whereas I ask you in the poem, how far outside the box will you go? Consider what Jesus says in Matthew 17, verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. This is a record concerning the disciples not being able to cast out a demon. When Jesus shows up and is able to do so, the disciples ask why they couldn't do it. They had been doing it before. His response was, because of your unbelief. Unbelief stops the promises of God. A phrase Jesus uses to describe the faith of the disciples on several occasions was, O you of little faith. Unfortunately, that still indicates that there is some faith. And according to Matthew 17.20, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can dump mountains into the ocean. A little faith in God and in his Son go a long way. In fact, Jesus says, nothing shall be impossible unto you. So how are you exercising that faith as a grain of mustard seed. 
The challenge is to recognize that faith is simply saying yes to a miracle-working God. Yes, God, I believe your word. Yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Doubt is being double-minded. Yes, but is the common wording for doubt. Yes, God, you might be able to, but you have to understand there are certain limitations. Do you realize we actually say that to God sometimes? Yeah, your grace is good, but I'm a sinner. Yeah, you can be my sufficiency, but I only have one job and payday isn't for another week, but I need the money now. Yeah, you can heal my heart, but I really wanted that specific person, placement, or thing, and it's not available. Unfortunately, our noses are not like Pinocchio's when he lied. We are so short-sighted we can't see past our tiny noses. We need to learn to see things God-sized. This is way beyond supersized. God's perspective is hard to comprehend. He created the universe, and the size of it is the span of his fingertips, from the tip of his little finger to his thumb. That's a bajillion, million, billion stars that boggle our minds, all wrapped up in the palm of his hand. We need to recognize that God can go beyond what our finite minds can imagine. We need to recognize that God has more than one way to bring his word to pass. In the Gospel of Luke, Gabriel comes to Mary to give her a message from God. He tells her that she's going to have a baby and that he will be the son of the highest. Her reaction is one of belief, but still a little bit of shock, not understanding, as she puts it, how shall this be? It is not a doubt-filled question, but simply trying to understand the accomplishment of the promise. Gabriel reassures her by telling her of another miracle. We pick it up in Luke chapter 1, verse 36. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she shall also conceive a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. The beginning of the chapter describes Zacharias and Elizabeth as being well or far advanced in years. Gabriel comes to him and tells him he will have a son whose name would be John. Unfortunately, Zacharias questions Gabriel out of doubt, saying that he is an old man and repeating the description that his wife Elizabeth was well advanced in age. So how is it possible for this to happen? Mary gave a reason she shouldn't be able to have a child, seeing I know not a man a.k.a. I am a virgin. Zacharias, though, gave a reason why they couldn't have a child. We're too old. Can you see the subtlety between the two different responses? The response that Zacharias gave was made from a poverty mindset. This is a mindset that says, I can't do ABC because of XYZ. This is a mindset that negates the miracle working power of God. In every situation, we must invite and allow God to work within it. Far too often, our doubt pushes God out of the scenario. There's another record in the Gospel of John where a man who has had an infirmity for 38 years sits at the pool of Bethesda waiting for an angel to stir the water so he can receive a miracle of healing. We pick it up in verse 5. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty-eight years, and Jesus saw him lie and knew 
that he had been now a long time in that case. He saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Sir, I have no man, when the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. This is such a clear case of responding to the promises of God with doubt instead of faith. Jesus approaches the man and asks, Will you be made whole? The man's response should have been, Yes! But he doesn't respond that way. He tells Jesus a reason why he still has his infirmity. I have nobody to help me, and when I try to do it myself, somebody beats me to it. Sometimes we don't recognize that our salvation is staring us in the face. An offer is made for us to be whole, but we can't see it, and therefore just continue talking about our problem. Jesus has asked a similar question in another situation. We find this in Luke, where Jesus asked a blind man, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. His need was he was blind and wanted to see. He did the right thing. He made his needs known. So our Savior is asking us, What can I do for you? Thanks for the offer, Jesus, but I'm not worthy. Really, I'm very grateful, but you see, I'm struggling and and I don't understand how you can do anything for me. Statistically speaking, the possibility that you can render help is very limited. And so the doubt-filled excuses abound and continue. We need to learn to say yes, Lord. We need to say yes to the promises of God. God is calling us up into the victorious image he has of us. The Father's intent is that we are to be conformed to the image of his Son, Jesus. That's how he sees us. He sees us victorious and calls us victorious. We are not fighting towards victory. We are fighting from victory. Let's look at the record of Gideon and how God called him out and his response. We pick it up in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abzurite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. The angel looks at Gideon and says, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. It seems like a simple phrase, but it's actually the speaking of a promise. The Lord is with thee. And then the angel speaks Gideon's true identity to him, thou mighty man of valor. Unfortunately, Gideon isn't buying it. All Gideon can see is the present problem. His response is, well, if the Lord is with us, why are these problems happening? But God is showing up and calling out his next judge and deliverer for Israel. The challenge is Gideon doesn't realize who he is and who God is about to make him. God continues speaking through the angel. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? 
And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manassas, and I am the least in my father's house. Again, God speaks a promise that through him he will save Israel. God says, Have not I sent thee? Gideon is still in doubt and perfectly expressed the poverty mindset. My family is poor in Manassas, and I am the least in my father's house. He cannot see past his ability and resources. Contrary to popular belief, when angels show up to deliver messages, they don't have wings. They look like men, and so Gideon doesn't seem to have caught on that this is an angel of the Lord speaking to him. It takes a while, but he finally catches on. The angel continues speaking for the Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. It takes a while, but finally Gideon catches on that the Lord has spoken to him. He goes on to deliver Israel from the Midianites by the miraculous power of God behind him. He was outnumbered something like 400 to 1. So he knew it could not be by his own power that they were delivered, but because the battle was God's and the Lord fought for them. So how long does it take us to catch on that our Heavenly Father has spoken to us through his word and is speaking to us through his spirit within us now? How long will it take us to accept the promises he has spoken to us? I've heard of a range from 250 to 3,000 promises in the New Testament alone. Let's simply take John 10.10, that Jesus Christ came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. Every aspect of our lives should be filled with life. Mere existence is not the style of life that we are called to. Consider what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Having a lot of money in your bank account definitely gives you options. But we're told here not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. I like the sound of that. He gives us richly. God is not stingy, and he wants us to be able to enjoy. Remember, he has cattle on a thousand hills. I think he can spare a few for steaks on your barbecue. The world is also trying to put God in a box and that he is either without power or literally a liar. The world is also constantly trying to put us in a box. It's called a coffin. How big is your world? That would be determined by how big is your God. What do you see on the horizon? And what do you see over the horizon? Or can you even see the horizon? I've mentioned it a couple of times before in my podcast, the prayer of Jabez. 1 Chronicles 4, verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me and enlarge my coast. He prayed for God to enlarge his coast. Jabez is surrounded by enemies, and he prays for God to expand his territory. 
It says God granted his request. What are you asking for? You're a child of an infinite God. Nothing is too hard for him. Jesus gave you not only an invitation and an introduction, but by his blood, the right to enter into the presence of the Father. There, you can definitely see beyond the horizon of your current situation. Take some time from that vantage point to reconsider the options that God can offer you. With him, truly, the possibilities are endless. As the stars in the sky and the sand which is by the seashore. That's a lot. That's the image God used to tell Abraham the number of kids he would have. The Lord told Abraham that his seed would possess the gates of his enemy. God doesn't think in small quantities. He told Israel that he would bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. Milk and honey are two products that you simply take up without having to do the work to produce it. God wants to bless our lives. Read Psalm 23 and recognize that even in the presence of your enemy, the Lord is preparing a table, a feast for you. No matter what your situation, he takes care of you. Your cup is running over with possibilities. Thanks for listening today to my 30th episode. I'd like to invite you to my Facebook page entitled facebook.com slash yesterday.ended. I'd love to connect with you there and hear your comments concerning the podcast. Also, I recently discovered the location statistics to the podcast. I'm amazed at the diversity of places where people are listening in. So I'd love to give a shout out to all who are listening to me, including someone in Singapore and Russia and Frankfurt, Germany and France and Austria and Africa and England and Japan and a whole bunch of people in America. Thanks all for listening in. I pray that the podcast has been a blessing and will continue to be so. So therefore, I really would love to hear your comments on my Facebook page. Thanks so much and have a blessed day.